Hello, my beautiful Woman Inc. listeners. How are we doing? How are we feeling? It is Feb 2022. I don't even know how that's possible. I just feel like January didn't even happen, but somehow here we are. I am so beyond excited that I was finally able to announce our Inca Magazine partnership with you guys. It has been in the works for a while now, and I just truly can't think of a better company to partner with to continue expanding Women Inc. and making this the most powerful network of women that exists. As you guys know, I say over and over again, that is the mission behind Woman Inc. It's just to grow the most incredible, inspiring group of women who are just leveling up, owning what they want, and just showing up full on in the world. It makes me more excited than anything else, and it just fuels me so much passion and joy, and I hope you guys feel that in every single episode. I will be sharing so much more about how this partnership started. It's a really good story, and my solo episode that is coming up very soon, so make sure to tune into that. But for now, let's jump into this amazing conversation. So My guest this week is Evelyn Roosley. She is the co-founder and president of Yumi, the leading childhood nutrition company focused on intelligently designed science-backed meals, snacks, and vitamins for every stage of development. To ensure peak nutrition and flavor in every bite, Yumi employs a team of experts that includes nutritionists, pediatricians, metabolic health experts, and James Beard award-winning chefs. With over 100 organic ingredients across its menu, Yumi's extensive lineup includes blends, finger foods, snacks, and a multivitamin that they have coined vitamin, delivered right to your doorstep. All Yumi products are organic, vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and kosher, and the brand is certified by the Clean Label Project. I am sure you have heard of them, but if you haven't, They are beloved by families all over the country and celebrity parents, including Mindy Kaling, Jenna Duan, Shay Mitchell, Molly Sims, Jessica Alba, Gabrielle Union, Emma Roberts, and many more. Evelyn has spent more than a decade as a journalist, previously on staff at the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, covering startups and innovation. She was also formerly an entrepreneur in residence at Social Capital Partnership, a Palo Alto-based venture capital firm. Evelyn graduated from Princeton University with a degree in English. I absolutely loved this chat and hearing about Evelyn's journey into entrepreneurship. She is actually someone whose name I've heard many times within my friend group. We have a few mutual friends and I've just heard about her story and how inspiring she is. And she is all of those things and more. I I loved, loved, loved this chat. So she is all of those things and more. I loved, loved, loved this chat. And I know you guys will as well. Make sure to follow their journey on Instagram at Yumi. And now let's get over to my conversation with Evelyn. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. 
I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Evelyn, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm so excited to finally meet you. Thanks so much for having me. This is so fun. So I was just telling you this, I've been following Yumi for so long now. Can you just give us first a little bit of background into what you were doing before Yumi? You have a very impressive background. Both you and your co-founder have a very impressive background. Can you kind of just walk us through before the evolution of Yumi? Absolutely. Yeah. So I had a very different path before I hard pivoted into this wild world of entrepreneurship. I was a storyteller. I was a journalist for more than a decade. I was at the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. I started off in my career actually as a foreign correspondent out in Southeast Asia. And so covered a wide range of topics, everything from avian influenza, which was, you know, not quite obviously the pandemic of today, but it was an interesting, interesting topic then as well. Everything to the tsunami. Yeah, it was like a really fascinating front seat into Southeast Asia, the regional world, that office is based in Jakarta. And then I eventually fell in love with business journalism and shedding light on important stories and innovation and tech, uh, covered everything from the Facebook IPO when I was at the New York Times, and then was last the innovation reporter at the Wall Street Journal based in San Francisco. You know, and I think there, there are parallels when you kind of step back and think about the contrast of being a journalist and also then building a company, right? It became for me, when we started Yumi, the story I couldn't stop thinking about. And what I mean by that is that the why of Yumi really came down to this bigger mission of how do you raise a healthier generation? So my co-founder and I have been friends for years that predate the company. So while I was a journalist, I met her. She jokes that she married me first uh, to my (laughs) husband because that's exactly what you do when you become co-founders. But when she became a mom for the first time, she was telling me about all this research that she was unearthing around the importance of the thousand days, about nutrition during the first years of life, right? And so she had created this Dropbox folder of every clinical study that she could find on the topic because, you know, every parent, every new first-time parent goes down this rabbit hole of Google research. And I think Angela, she's sort of the, the math nerd, the data nerd to my English major nerd. So she majored in mathematics. She always is drawn to numbers and understanding data sets. I joke that she thinks and speaks in data sets. But, you know, <laughs> when she was pulling all this primary research, it was just really eye-opening around how specific nutrients really have an outsized impact on your kid's brain development, specifically during this time. And I think we grew up in an era where it felt like it was the parents who had to worry about their waistlines and kids had their whole lifetime to worry. So like, let them eat all the cupcakes. And, you know, obviously, as we mature as a, as a generation, and we learn the impact of food and food as thy medicine, and really understand and linking those dots, you actually realize what profound impact nutrition has. And no period is that more important than this early years, right? And so that ultimately became 
you know, such an eye-opening volume of research that we're like, well, there's many ways that you can translate this. Like you can think about this as like a nonprofit social movement. You can go to Capitol Hill, you talk about standards for baby food, kids food. And what we realized where we could make the most impact, and I think like I was also influenced by having this front seat in entrepreneurship was creating a company at scale that could change consumers' perceptions and help educate them and create the linkages between the dots of that nutrition and development and lifetime of health. So that's kind of like the hard pivot, but why I also see these parallels and the same things that drew me initially to becoming a storyteller and shedding light on important stories ultimately became the reason why I took that leap. So I hope that wasn't too long-winded of an answer, no. but that's that's how I got here. <laughs> I love it. No, I was so I was reading both of your backgrounds and I'm like this is unconventional but kind of the dream partnership because Angela's coming from this like vent or this private equity investment banking background and your Wall Street Journal New York Times full like being able to tell a story, a full storyteller which both of those brains are so vital, I think, in building a brand. So I think it's really, really cool, both of your backgrounds, how they come together. So <laughs> Thanks. You... We, we joke that we have one good brain between us. <laughs> <laughs> so you had never been an entrepreneur before, right? This was your first time building a company. And how was that process for you? Like, were you, did you quit your job to do this? I mean, absolutely. Wow. And I didn't have like a big safety net. We just had so much conviction. I mean, I, I think I look back on it. I was like, that was a pretty ballsy move like that. That's pretty crazy. Like, I could understand why my parents were like, are you sure? Like you you could go to law school, like you could, you know, being typical Asian parents, you know, and Angela had a very, very comfortable, highly respected career in finance. She was a director, the only female director of her private equity firm at the time, you know, obviously making a great salary at this firm. And we just left it all behind because we realized that this needed to exist in the world. And there was just this moment where I thought about like, I didn't have children at the time. I actually don't have children. I married my husband. We're still in the family planning stage of it. But even then, when I was thinking about, should I do this? There was this moment where I imagined my like, I guess, fictional project, like my future children. And I thought about like putting them to bed and thinking about how they would ask me ultimately, like how I spent my days, why I did what I did, what was I doing the hours that I didn't see them. And I wanted it to be this answer, right? And so that was just such a compelling drive. Like that was, I kind of just like moonboarded that in my head a bit. And I was just like, that's that's what I want my life to be. That's what I want um, every day to add up to. So the process of unpacking this and figuring out how to start a company, on one hand, I, I was a student in a way of like observing businesses, understanding kind of the kind of like variables that help build towards a successful business and the things that can help fall apart. But at the same time, nothing can ever prepare you for co-founding a company, right? It's, it is so crazy. The number of decisions that you have to make often simultaneously when it's just you and a co-founder in the very beginning. And so Angela and I joke about this a lot. We're like, when you go to a startup and you see like a stapler on a desk, you're like, at some point, someone had to make the decision of which stapler to buy. And like in the beginning, it's so you. True. And so whether it's like unpacking, figuring out HR and recruiting and all of that or buying the stapler or, you know, how do you get to 
you know, the first sale, like all those things have to be unraveled. And I think like what helped as a journalist and, you know, it's interesting, like this was actually said about not that I, I, you know, compare myself at all, but Mike Moritz used to be a famous journalist before he went into the world of venture capital. You know, people used to ask like what made him, you know, a compelling candidate to go into obviously one of the most venerated VC firms in Silicon Valley. And they said it was the questions that he asked, right? Like knowing that you have to ask a lot of questions to figure out the solution. And I think there's such a humbleness in being a journalist and knowing that you are always operating with an imperfect data set. So knowing that and knowing like it'll never be perfect, but how do you ask the right questions to get close as possible to making the most educated you know, decision or getting to the most whole story? And so I think that led me to ask a lot of people in the industry, ask a lot of friends, friends of friends, and be like shameless in asking questions and being very dogged in that. You know, I think ultimately you do have to make decisions on things, but having that humbleness and, and just knowing you don't have the answers and there could be a better answer out there really did help. That is so insightful. And you are truly constantly asking questions. And if you find someone who has spent time finding the answers, it will save you so much time just asking people who already know what they're doing. So you make this decision. You're like, I know what I want. You have this vision of the life that you want to live. How do you guys go about the first stages of, okay, let's actually build this? Like, did you come together and create any sort of non-negotiables or things where you're like, this is how we know we're being successful. This is how we're going to actually launch this. Yeah. I mean, well, first we took a personality test, <laughs> which I know oh, sounds kind of funny, one? but... You know, just Myers Briggs, and, and then we would yeah. talk. Yeah, so and then we would talk about it, and I think I know that sounds kind of funny, but like even though Angela and I were friends, and I knew her very well as a friend, being a business partner is a whole other leap, right? It's a whole other relationship. Yeah. As I joked, it's like it's like marriage. The intimacy of co-founding a company with someone and laying all your strengths and weaknesses out there, and on a day-to-day basis, you know, trying to make decisions together, that is one of the most intimate relationships you can possibly have. And so we were like, we have to kind of be honest about who we are and just be really, I think, thoughtful and intentional in that relationship and making sure that when we fight, you know, because we're going to disagree, we're going to debate, we both have strong opinions as as two people, but you want to make sure you debate in a way where you like you know that you're going to be married at the end of the day. And right. so we took a personality test. It's like, that was step one for us. Like I moved in with Angela. We took these personality tests. We were like trying to figure out how to build our marriage to be the best, you know, so that we could scale a company on that foundation. And so, you know, just knowing like I am an INFJ, she's an INTJ. So we're actually very similar. We have the same values, but the idea of like, so a Myers-Briggs, like, you know, the thinking versus feeling, it's actually not that she doesn't feel or I don't think, right? You know, like, <laughs> but the, the logic versus emotional pull of people, I think it was just, it was a really interesting conversation that we had. And we really did come into it thinking very carefully about that relationship because we knew the stability of that company, the ability to scale would live or die based on that initial relationship. And then I think businesses are always just people. Every business is a people business, right? And so from that, you'll make all these other decisions, also like who you hire and things like that. So that was step one. And then step two was like, okay, let's build out a deck. 
let's build out like what a rough financial model should be. And thankfully, obviously, Angela has the finance side <laughs> covered. And so then we, we would ask friends, like, can we have a deck that you have? Like, can we have a deck from your early stage company? What was your first deck? You can Google, like, you know, even Uber's first deck is out there. And so again, we were kind of students of this because we were like, well, we never made a pitch deck, but we're going to need some capital in order to do like a test pilot program to make sure we we're going to get to this product market fit. And so getting help in that respect and then building out kind of that initial deck, which helps you think through what your model should be. Like it just helps organize the way you're thinking about your company and how it scales and what is like the one year, five year, 10 year plan. So I felt like that was a good force function for us as we thought about the framework for this business. And then, you know, obviously we needed it to eventually raise money from friends and family. But that those were like the first steps of like, okay, we, we got to figure out the skeleton of building this business. A lot of co-founders I've heard go to actual therapy together, like a weekly therapy yes. meeting. And I'm like, yes, it's a full marriage. Let's talk about fundraising then, because you touched on that for a sec. So did you start mm-hmm. with friends and fam fundraising round? Was yeah. that your first? Okay. And how was that process for you? Because that it's very intimate and personal and probably I can imagine hard. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like we're really lucky in having a network or having work built up a network where we had access to people who, you know, were regular investors in the startup world, right? And so we definitely wanted to make sure that whoever was investing in our company was very comfortable with like the dynamics of investing in startups. I mean, you know, startups like have a very high failure rate, right? And so you, you don't want this to be like 10, 20% of someone's entire portfolio. You want to make sure that you're reaching out to investors who are very comfortable with, with that risk. And I think we were really lucky in having some relationships. And then, you know, one investor, we'd be like, who else should we talk to? And so, again, I, I really think we we're privileged in that respect and being able to figure out like how to build this network of investors. But, you know, it, it's it's taking a lot of no's uh, to the chin. And I think you get very comfortable with the no's very fast and realizing that, Oftentimes it's not personal. It's most investors will have to say no in most meetings, right? So you have to give them a reason to say yes. And you just can't take it personally because you will on balance always have more no's. Even the Ubers of the world initially had more no's before they had all the yeses. And so I think like having that like, you know, framework, expecting that and getting really desensitized to the no's that really helped. But it was, you know, it was lots and lots of phone calls and meetings and just expecting that, you know, the majority would not be yeses, but that there you would, I I don't know, I think Angela and I always had this conviction that like this needed to exist. We felt like we were pretty good situated in terms of our vision and our like capabilities to make this work. And so it was on us to be as clear as we could be around the vision of this company. And like, ultimately, we were going to get there, right? Like that, if we just kept knocking on the doors, picking up the phone, like we knew that we were right in this vision. And so inevitably we were going to get there. And so it's just, you know, you got to be humble, expect the nose, but also confident enough that you just keep on knocking on the doors. And I, I always, um, there's a great concept in, um, good to great where it's this idea that 
you know, entrepreneurs who are in it for the long haul or have a higher rate of success or tend to be short-term pragmatists, right? So you're like looking right ahead of you, you know, all the, the pitfalls that might happen, like the, the things that are going to kind of suck in the interim, but then they're long-term optimists. <laughs> so oh my God, that's and good. I think, yeah, and I think it makes total sense. Like you believe in the vision, you, you know, like there's a path where you can get there. And it's just like, okay, let's like understand the realities of today. But like, if you believe in that, like around the corner, this of this, then you're just going to keep going. And so you, you got to keep going. You got to take all the no's. Next call. Next call. Yes. Oh, that's really, really good. So you started in 2015, right? It's mm-hmm. it probably feels like it's gone fast. I feel like 2015 was yeah. not ago, but it was. It was six, seven years yeah. ago. Yeah. And it was like a slow start, right? At first it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Okay, like let's <laughs> raise some capital, friends and family. Like you take a long time in building out that vision and what the product could be. You spent a long time doing the test pilot program. People were like, can you guys even make food that kids and babies are going to want? Or like, yeah, we, we can figure this out. But like there's yeah. so much like skepticism that you have to prove out. And then we like, you know, finally got to a point where we're launching, you know, California in 2017, but we've actually only been national since 2019. So it's been a long and short road (laughs) in some ways. Yeah. So from the first year in 2015 to now, how much has changed? Like looking back, does that just feel like a totally different business? What, how much have, what do you say you've evolved from that first year of how you guys run the business? Yeah, a lot has changed. I also feel like we were babies back then. <laughs> you know, we kind of joke that like startup years are kind of like when a president goes through their like term in office, right? They start off, they have full head of hair. It's like they, they're looking great. They don't really have that many wrinkles. It's like pretty good. And then by the end of it, it's like, oh my God, what have they seen? Like, you know, their whole head is like white and they have all these. Like, and I, I, feel, I feel like I've aged. 15 years in that period. So it's, you it's, look, it, you, you look good, ducked into the know. vortex. Um, <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but um, you feel it, you know, you definitely yeah. feel it. And then your question was like, what has changed? I think we learned a lot, you know, and I, I, I totally get why people invest in like second time founders, even if that first business didn't do well, it's like, oh, you, we, we joke, there's the first time founder tax. <laughs> You're just going to have a larger margin of error than a second time founder because you learn a shit ton and you're like, I wouldn't have done this that way <laughs> if I was totally. to turn back the clock. Yes. So, so that I think has changed. I think, but what stays the same, right, is I think the mission and like the North Stars of the business, the kind of impact we wanted to create. And so while there may be some adjustments in terms of the experience, it gets improved, all that stuff the why of what we were doing and the fundamentals have actually been the same, which I, I feel like really proud of. You know, I, I think a lot of businesses I generally change over the years from when they started, but I, I also love the things that stay the same. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. You should be very proud. Was there a point where you felt like you made it? You're like, oh my gosh, oh my god, we're a real company. I'm still waiting for that point. I mean, there's definitely a point where you're like, oh, the lights won't go off tomorrow. So there's that, but I wouldn't say that's like I made it. Shout it from the rooftops, I made it. So no, I mean, I think I, I'm just someone who I, there's so much more to this. I feel like the, I feel like we're in the first inning, and I know we've had such great traction. We're feeding three percent 
of babies in America in places like Miami, it's like 9%. And that's incredible, right? It feels like a real thing. That's for sure. But I just feel like this is inning one, right? And so I'm like, anyone who's like, wow, aren't you so like happy with what you've accomplished? I'm like, I guess accomplish that term feels so nebulous to me, right? Like I feel like, but there's so much more to accomplish. So when I look at the scales of what is to be accomplished versus what we've accomplished, I'm like, we have work to do. Um, speak to me later kind of thing. Like <laughs> I just, you know, the, the idea of mission accomplished, I guess, is just feels so far in that way, but it's not in my nature. And I, it's something I have to work on. It's actually something I see as a weakness in me and that I don't celebrate the moments that I should. Mm. And I, you know, I remember when we raised our first venture round and August Capital led that round and actually it was Angela's husband, Angus, who's such a wonderful person. And he like brought us these champagne flutes and he was like, you should keep these. And here's like, yes. he's like, I know this isn't, you know, the end all be it. Like, this is just a starting point, but you guys ha- should realize like, you got to celebrate the moment. You got to let yourself be a little happy. Let yourself, you know, pat yourself on the back sometime. And, um, you know, I, I think that's an important thing. It's just not something I naturally can do well, I would say. <laughs> Almost every entrepreneur who I speak to, I think identifies with this. And it's, you're moving so quickly, I would say, to go to the next level, go to the next level. And then you get to that level and you're like, okay, now here's our new normal. And then from there, it's just, you keep going up. So feeling like you've made it is just so hard to identify because you're looking continually up. Totally. But I agree, you have to celebrate or else you'll never feel that sense. Because I mean, you are everywhere. I see you, me, everywhere. The brand is is so recognizable and successful. So yes, I feel like take a moment for sure because... There's, and there's so many things and it's, it's funny what will actually hit you in the feels, you know, and make you think back and be like, man, like we, we made something. And I get emotional when people come up to me and they're like, I think my kid likes vegetables because of you guys. Or like, this was such a huge help in my first year of being a mom, you know, and I just love those stories. Like it just, it's, you know, that, that's everything. Cause then like you kind of zoom out and you feel into the future of, okay, if that kid's eating veggies, maybe they're going to have a better life. Maybe when they have kids, like those kids are more likely to eat more veggies too. Right. And I think fantasize about what future that could, you know, be. And I, I, so I love that when it, it gets down to this personal moment and someone's like, you've touched my life or touched my kid's life in a certain way, in a specific way. Oh, that's like, that's fuel for like a couple more days, you know, <laughs> like, yes. it's like an extra, it's extra little energy boost, I would say, you know, it's like, that's, yeah. that's great. Even in the toughest of times. Yeah. I feel like it brings you back to your mission too. Why you guys started in the first place. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So when you guys are making your projections, how far ahead are you generally planning in the future? Like, do you guys sit and do your one year, five year, or are you kind of like, what are we doing this month? Yeah, no, I mean, it depends on on the moment, right? But I think you just have to constantly flip back and forth between, okay, what are we doing this week? What are we doing this quarter? What are we doing next year? Like, what's a 12-month plan? And then what are we doing in five and 10 years? Because those should all ladder up to like that five, 10 years. And I I always loved, and again, you could probably tell I'm like a student of business, but I just, I love learning from all these companies that have come before. And like, Walt Disney, they created an entire map. Like there's, you should Google it because it's excellent. And it was like, you know, decades, decades um, past of like what 
Walt Disney would be. And so even in the very beginning, they were thinking of the theme parks and like, you should build the vision to be that big, right? I'm, I'm a big proponent of like, think about the biggest way you can change the world. Think about like what that would entail in that like vision dream map and, you know, start thinking about it today because you'll think about decisions differently. You'll like move the company differently based on what you actually believe it could be in 10, 100 years. So like, you know, when I talk to people, I'm like, this is, we're building this to be a hundred year brand, right? Like, and that's just a really, it's a, it's a number that was like, obviously outlasts me, <laughs> right? So so that's why I think of it in that increments because, you know, it's, your vision should be that big. I mean, it's it's great if you can, but so anyways, that's that's how I think about it. It's like, but constantly this like back and forth, back and forth because you do have to be tactical in the tomorrow and then you have to be like dream big in the 100 year. <laughs> I love, I'm going to Google this as soon as we get off. I'm very, I want to see no, this. It's, it's, really it's good, really it's good. <laughs> Okay, so I like asking people this question, but it's like a fill in the blank. I know I'm being successful when? When I'm getting energy out of a moment, you know, and I think that we just talked about that a little bit. So much of life is like figuring out what gives you energy, right? And so when you have those moments where you're like, oh man, like this is working, this is great. It it, like only adds to your energy. When you're working on a career or a profession that gives you energy because you're so excited about what you're doing and what you're putting out in the world, that, that's great. That's success, right? And so I, I just feel really strongly about that. Whatever you need to make you the best, I think, version of yourself that you're energized to change the world, to do things is like, that's what you'd be focused on. And so I think I, I like that definition because it doesn't confine you to having a certain kind of career or living your life in a certain way. And, you know, there was this um, interesting co- conversation. Um, it was at, I think it was a conference in Los Angeles that Jeff Bezos had, and they asked him about work-life balance, right? And he's like, there's no such thing. You should be aware enough, though, of what's giving you energy. And so if in a moment, you're like, if I run these three miles, I'm going to feel really good and like be able to be a better version for my family and my friends and my work. That's what you should do. You know, screw the extra project that you you wanted (laughs) to get done, you know, that night or whatever. It's like, find things that give you energy, lean into those things, and you will ultimately be more of a whole human. And so I think about that a lot about like, what's like giving me energy. And I I think that was part of the reason why I switched careers, right? Because I was like, okay, to feel like my most successful self, I want to have this passion and energy for life and what I'm spending my minutes on. And that that was an important part of it. So I think like I can't answer that question without talking about how you think about energy and what gives you, gives you energy. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. I love that answer. And last question is, you might kind of have the same type of answer, but what would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who is wanting to start her own business? That's a great question. I think, I mean, there's so many things. Um, Angela and I always joke that at some point we should co-author a book together, like with all this first time founder mistakes and all these things that you just like want to impart on the next generation. But honestly, it, it really is take the leap, right? And I think sit with it for some time, you know, think about, is this going to be something that is really going to give you energy and going to make you want to be getting up day in, day out and and working on it and 
have you thought about it in some sense in a pragmatic way, right? Like, can you see how this evolves and can you see like the unique vision and strength that you bring to, you know, this, the mission or the company that you want to build? And if you're feeling yes, like in your gut, I think, you know, in your gut, if this is something that you're going to do and you should do, don't sit on it too long. Because if you sit on too long, you can always out, you know, out debate yourself into not doing anything into the inertia because that's the easiest thing. And so it's not to say that I'm not trying to say like everyone should quit their jobs and start a company because that's, (laughs) that's like probably not the case. But, um, you know, I think, you know, if you have this nagging sensation and if you can step back and think about the unique vision that you have to solve a problem and the unique skill sets you might bring and realizing that you're probably the one to do it, to change the world in that specific way. And so if that's directionally ding, 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 yes, 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 then you should just do it. And I think it really is easy to fall back into not doing things and saying yes to things. And I always joke that like 90% of life is just showing up, right? Just like being like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And those are where all those opportunities get unlocked and I can point to many moments in my life where it's just because I said yes and I decided to show up and I moved out of the inertia of like doing of not. So I think like that's that's an important part. But we could spend hours probably and like all the things that I I try to unpack for like someone who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur for this next generation of of entrepreneurs. Oh, that was that was such good advice. And I was thinking when you were talking like our first conversation when we first started this before we were recording and you're like I totally forgot this is on my calendar it's a Saturday and you look amazing and a blazer and just fully in your element and I think that's just the entrepreneur spirit is just showing up I mean the brilliant let's be real here the brilliance of a blazer is it takes about 0.2 seconds to put on (laughs) so if you literally if there was a camera in my room five minutes before the call, you would have literally seen me in like some kind of leisure getup, which is 99% of my my time that I live in. So I like to pretend I, I have it all together. And I that's the thing I always deprioritize, I feel like, is like being put together. Like some people, I don't know how they do it. I'm like, that's just never been me. But I, I tried. I tried for today. When trying, it, like it's five minutes of effort. <laughs> so. No, yeah. If anyone's listening, a blazer is the cure to like 90% of your problems. Just throw yeah, it on. It's true. It's Save, true. It's saves a true. lot of time. <laughs> oh my gosh, Evelyn, thank you so much. This has been really, really inspiring. And I'm really excited oh, to you. watch just your company grow in the future of Yumi. Where can, I'm sure everyone will want to follow you and follow your career. Where can everyone find you? Well, Yumi itself is on Instagram, like at Yumi, Y-U-M-I. HelloYumi.com is our URL. And then you can find me on, on Twitter, I guess. Twitter, I feel like, is sort of part of the toolkit of being a journalist. So I, yeah. I still have my Twitter account. I'm not as active as I used to be, but you can definitely find me there. Just um, Evelyn Rusley, R-U-S-L-I. But yeah, I mean, anyone can also email me, E-V-E-L-Y-N at HelloYumi.com. So I'm here, inbox is here, slide into my DM. But this has been such a great conversation. You make it so easy. This has been so fun. Thank you for taking the time and for your interest. This is so lovely. Oh my gosh. No, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. 
It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.